Good morning, everyone. I invite you to open your Bibles to Psalm 30, Psalm 30 this morning, which is on page 461 of your Pew Bible. If you don't have a Bible of your own this morning, I'd encourage you to pull one of the Pew Bibles out. And if you don't own a Bible of your own, I'd love to invite you to pick one up in the narthex, which is the lobby behind the church here. We have free Bibles available to anyone that doesn't own a personal Bible. We would love it if you would grab one. You can read it throughout the week and bring it each uh, Sunday morning to uh, worship. And if you own your own Bible, I would encourage that you do bring it to worship. There is nothing that is more encouraging to our study of God's word than to bring it to church and to study it with the body of Christ and bring that home and study throughout the week. Now, as we turn to our psalm this morning, I think that's a is important for us to recognize a few elements that the psalmist uses to communicate his message to us. We learn from the psalm that he was on the very verge of death. He had one foot in the grave, as it were. And the language seems to indicate that he was sick, although it might just be a poetic way of saying that he was in dire straits. Either way, he was in need of deliverance. And the psalmist tells us that God rescued him from death. And because of that deliverance, he will praise him. Now, this rescue and subsequent praise is spoken of, first of all, as a vertical movement. That's an up-down movement. So in verse 1, it says, I will extol you, O Lord. The word extol means to raise up. You can imagine that this evening, whoever wins the Super Bowl will extol the Lombardi trophy. They will lift it up above their heads and they will show, look how great it is to win the Super Bowl. Then it says, for, in verse 1, for you have drawn me up. Again, we have upward motion, but a very different upward motion from what we just saw. For here is a picture of one drawing water up out of a well. It's like you're pulling something up from down below. And then in verse 3, O Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. You've restored me to life from going from those among who go down to the pit. You see, the psalm is employing movement language in such a way that downward movement is falling away from life, away from health, away from peace, and upward movement is moving towards it. To go down is sickness, weakness, fear, and death. To go up is health, restoration, and life. And so to understand our psalm, we're going to have to understand how this up-down movement occurs. The second element that we need to understand is reversal of fortunes. You see, there's up-down movement, but there is now this horizontal, if you will, movement that takes place. The psalmist takes us from life to death. Movement in which anger turns to favor, weeping to joy, mourning is turned to dancing, funeral clothes are replaced by garments of praise, and silence turns into singing. So how is this happening? How does this movement occur? What causes this reversal of fortunes? Part of the mission statement here at Rivermont is that we seek the renewing of lives. 
That those who are suffering, hurting, struggling, that their lives would be renewed. And in Psalm 30, we see a life renewed. But the question is, how is it renewed? How does this life come about? And in your own life, how do you seek to move from the pit to the peak? How do you seek the reversal of fortunes to go from mourning to dancing, from weeping to joy, from going down into the pit to being drawn up to life? What we'll see this morning is that if we would lift up the Lord in praise, the Lord must first draw us up from the pit. So hear now the word of the Lord, Psalm 30. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help and you have healed me. O Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. You have restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints. Give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. By your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face. I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I cry, and to the Lord I plead for mercy. What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosened my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. That my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord, my God. I will give thanks to you forever. Heaven and earth will pass away, but the word of the Lord will never pass away. Let us pray. Blessed are you, Lord God, for the testimonies of your prophets. We bless you. For the statutes of your law, we bless you. And for the gospel of Jesus Christ and the witness of the apostles, we bless you, O gracious God. Grant us the spirit of your glory and the brightness of your presence that we might understand your word read and preached this morning through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. I used to have a great life, writes author Benita Reisner. She says, I went on exciting vacations, cooked gourmet meals for my family, painted everything from dishes to canvas. Sure, I had limitations from my childhood polio, but I was able to do whatever I wanted. Slowly, however, that all changed. Today, I use a wheelchair to go where I once walked. I admire art I once created. I need assistance when I once offered it. You see, Vanitha in her adult years developed post-polio syndrome. 
a debilitating disease that brings continual loss of strength and vitality. Her lost ability to parent, to work, and then she soon lost her husband who abandoned the wife to whom he once vowed in sickness and in health. Again, she writes, When I was abandoned by my former spouse, I fell headlong into the pit. It was as if I had been caught up in a whirlwind, one that picked me up from my happy, secure life and threw me into a dark well. I gave up on the idea of ever being happy again. Whether sickness, marital strife, parenting struggles, financial woes, or any number of frustrations that we all face in our life, All of us have times when we feel as though we have fallen into the pit. That all is darkness. And in our passage, we see that the psalmist has come to such a time. In verse 3, he says that his soul was in Sheol, or in the pit. Then in verse 7, he says, You, God, you hid your face from me, and I was dismayed. Now, the word Sheol is the Hebrew conception of death. It's the realm of death that is filled with darkness. Sheol, if you will think of it this way, is the lowest place possible, the furthest distance from heaven. You have heaven at the heights and you have Sheol at the depths. In like fashion, the pit is another way of speaking of the grave or of death. God's Word speaks of the pit as the opposite of the enjoyment of life. There are no companions, no love, no sounds of joy or laughter, no eating of labor's fruits, no participation in the worship of God's people. Now, when the Lord commanded Adam and Eve not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, He warned that in the day of, that you eat of it, you will surely die. Romans 6 explains to us that the wages of sin, what we earn by our sin, is death. And therefore, Sheol, the pit, death, they are all different ways of speaking of the ultimate end or result of our sin, which is separation from the blessing of God's gift of life. You see, humanity currently lives between these two realities of life and death. Because of our sin, we are pulled down towards death. And yet, by God's grace, there are times throughout our life in which we are drawn up towards heaven. We can descend towards Sheol or we can ascend up towards heaven. There are both pits and peaks in our life. There are both upward and downward motions. As we enjoy the grace of God's life, we ascend. As we suffer the consequences of sin and brokenness, we move downward. Now, in verses 6 and 7, we see this dynamic playing out in the psalmist's life. He says, As for me, I said in my prosperity when I was High, I shall never be moved. By your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. I was up. I was lifted up by God's grace and by God's favor. But then we see, you hid your face. I was dismayed. 
in my prosperity, when things were going great, when God had blessed me, I said, there's no way that I'm ever going to go downward again. I will not be moved. God's grace made him arrogant and it made him prideful. His prosperity made him feel invincible. And so God, in his grace, showed him the reality of the situation. The text says that God hid his face. That means that he turned away his blessing of prosperity and let the psalmist see the reality of his weakness. He showed him if it were not for his upholding grace, that in an instant he would free fall toward the grave. How do we end up in the pit? Why is suffering and death a reality in this world? Well, ultimately, the pit exists because of humanity's sin. As the book of Romans in chapter 5 explains, sin came into the world through one man and death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all sinned. Why is there a pit? The most simple answer is because of sin. For the result of sin is death. And yet that simple answer doesn't tell us the whole story of your own personal ascent toward blessing or descent towards the grave. The playing out of God's economy of life and death in particular lives is not so simple as good things happen to good people and bad things happen to bad people. Robotic cause and effect. Rather, God in His providence is using both the peaks and the pits, both the blessing and the suffering to bring about His gracious will to save His people. Why do we find ourselves in the pit of suffering? Ultimately, it's because God is graciously working to overcome the power of sin in our lives. This psalm is about movement. Movement toward and away from God's blessing of life. And the first thing that we saw is that God uses the downward movement away from His life and blessing to overcome the effect of sin within His people. Yet His ultimate desire for us is not that we would be abandoned to the grave, but rather that we would be raised up to life. If you remember, Job was a man who was righteous. He was outwardly blameless. Yet the Lord allowed Satan to take from him his property, to kill his children, and to strike him with a disease. And this presents us with a terrible tension. A question of why it is that bad things happen to good people. To righteous people like Job. Well, Job's quote-unquote friends had the answer. Bad things don't happen to good people. So if you're suffering, it must be your fault. If you have found yourself in the pit, you must have done something horribly wrong. In some ways, it's strangely comforting to blame people for their hardships. Of course, there are times of suffering resulting from poor decisions, yet much of the hardships that we endure in life are not directly connected to a particular sinful action in our lives. Why one person get hit by a drunk driver and another has nothing to do with that person's righteousness. 
Why one person inherits a weak heart isn't a reflection upon their eating habits. Why Kobe Bryant and eight others died a week ago in a helicopter accident isn't because somehow they were more deserving of such a death as others. But we so desperately want to find a reason. We want to find a fault, a sin. We want something that we can hold on to to say that they deserved it. And so we are protected and we will never be moved. But God moves us according to his will. He has the right to move as he pleases. He has the right to cast down and he has the right to draw up. And praise be to God because it is His will, it is His desire to draw up His people from the grave. For God changes the fortunes of those bound by death to bring to them life. We see this throughout the psalm. If you look down at verses 2 and 3, it says, O Lord my God, I cried to You for help and You have healed me. O Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. You restored me to life among those who go down to the pit. Verse 5, we read, For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. And in verse 11, You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. You see, God draws up His people from the pit. He rescues them from the grave. He heals and restores. Yes, He will discipline, but it is merely for a night. But with the rising of the sun, a new day will dawn filled with joy and dancing and gladness for His people. Job suffered greatly, and yet the Lord worked in his life to reveal to him a greater vision of God's power. And in the end, restored him. To life. Yes, God casts down in His work to defeat sin, but He also raises up so that all who trust in Him will be saved from the pit, saved from the grave, saved to everlasting life. So then, how are we to respond to this God who both casts down and raises up? This God who gives and takes away. Well, first we see from our text that we must pray to him from the pit. Look at verses 8 through 10. There we see this psalmist pray a rather bold prayer. Verse 8. To you, O Lord, I cry. And to the Lord, I plead for mercy. What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. You see, it is the Lord who casts down, but it is also the Lord who will raise up. And so we must call out to Him in a prayer. We must plead for His mercy. We must plead for His help. There is purpose for every hurt and pain. There is a plan behind every moment of suffering in life. And the ultimate purpose is that God would be praised in the healing of that disease and in the ending of that pain. Listen to this question that was asked to Jesus in John chapter 9. We read, as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. 
And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Right? Who messed up? Whose fault is it? This man's blind. He either did something or his parents did something. There is some reason why he is down in the pit. And it's probably because they did something wrong. But Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. You see, God's people come to the pit not for destruction, but rather so that God's saving grace will be displayed through them. That we might be healed and that God's name might be praised. That is why the psalmist plead, what profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? You see, the grave is silent. Sheol speaks nothing of God's loving kindness. And so when we are in the pit of suffering, we must call out to God in prayer, imploring Him to save us so that He will be praised. And when He does save us, When He does draw us up, we must lift Him up. Look at how this psalm begins and then ends. Verse 1, I will extol You, O Lord, for You have drawn me up. Verse 11, You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. How are we to pray and praise from the pits and the peaks of life with a heart for God's glory to be revealed in all things? To say to the Lord, if I am prospering and filled with joy and gladness, to you be the glory And if you are in the pit of life, struggling with pain or death or anxiety or fear or depression, to say to God be the glory. For His anger is but for a moment. His favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy will come with the morning. The way that we pray from the pit of life is knowing that by God's grace we will be raised up. And yet we live in a world where not all are healed. And we all, each one of us, end our life in the pit. So how then can the psalmist declare in verse 12, O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Mrs. Reisner, in the midst of her continued suffering, points us in the right direction. For she has written, by faith, I believe that all things were working together for my good and God was completely for me. He who did not spare his own son was graciously giving me his best in everything. You see, the psalm is about movement. It's about how we come to be down in the pit through sin How God has drawn us up out of the pit by His grace. And about how we who have received such healing are called to lift God up in praise. 
Yet, it is only in the Lord Jesus Christ that this motion from Sheol to heaven, from pit to peak, from life, from death to life, may be accomplished. For the Word of God teaches us that Jesus Christ humbled Himself to walk this path. That He left the very throne of heaven and came down to this broken world. That He bore the weakness and struggles that we all bear. That He was tempted in every way that we are. That He went to the cross. He was crucified, dead, and buried. He went all the way down into the pit. Yet He did not stay there. For He came to rescue His people from death. He came to draw us out of the darkness into His light. And so on the third day, He rose from the pit. He overcame death. He defeated it and He ascended up into heaven. You see, this is how we are ultimately saved from the pit. This is how we are given new life. For as we are joined to Christ through faith, Psalm 30 is finally completely fulfilled. Ephesians chapter 2 puts it this way. God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, in the pit, He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For though death will come to us all, Yet by God's grace, those who are in Jesus Christ will be drawn up out of the pit. Presently, we have been spiritually raised from death to life and are seated with Christ. And even more than that, when Christ comes again, every one of His people will be physically raised up from the pit to everlasting life. Every grave will be open. Everyone joined to Christ will be fully and completely healed and restored. Every sickness will be cured. Every wound will be healed. Every tear will be wiped away. And every pain will cease. Death, the pit, shall be no more. And then will come to pass verse 12 of our text. O Lord my God, I will give thanks to You forever. How do we pray from the pit of life? How do we praise from the peaks of life? With faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that by His death and resurrection, we have received life everlasting. We have been drawn up out of the pit and that we will praise Him forever and ever. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Father God, we come to you now in this time. We pray, O Lord, that you would draw us forth from the pit, that we might praise you forever and ever through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we do pray. Amen.